0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish flying solo here on the weekend edition of the show. It is great to be with you guys. See you once again as we got you here for the next hour. By the way, uh, Joe Pizapia and I host every single day, Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully you guys can check out that show because we certainly have a lot of fun talking. Joe will be on the Diamond Bet show this weekend. But it is just me with you, of course, coming up a little bit later in the program. We'll have this day in fantasy sports and our fantasy sports birthdays. So you loyalists who have been watching the show every day, we will not deviate from that. Uh, also a little bit later in the show, the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran, was on with us earlier in the week. So he will uh, play a part in this show as well, as uh, Gray Ra- Gray Albright from RasBall will join us later on as well. And in just a few minutes, for those of you who are thinking about getting down some money on the NBA playoffs and some of the teams potentially that you think that may end up winning the title, Fantasy Alarm's Adam Ronis will be with us. And that's kind of what we do here on the weekend. We sort of highlight some of the things that happened during the week, and we also keep you updated with fresh news, fresh topics, and that's the way that we're going to get started right now. Uh, Carl Ravage of ESPN reported yesterday that Major League Baseball and the owners essentially are at the point of no return here, more or less. I mean, not his words, but those are mine. Uh, at this point, it looks like the owners are willing to come up in games, willing to not uh, pay full prorated salaries. We all know how this is going to go if you've watched me for the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's going to be more than 50 games, and the owners are going to have to pay uh, the full salary. It won't be 82. It won't be 76. It won't be 48. It's just a negotiation at this point. And we've all negotiated things in life. It's just that they don't always get publicly played out for us on social media, on TV. And everywhere else, uh, you want my opinion. I think that they got to come somewhere in the 60 to 70 game range, which basically makes the owner owners come up about 10, it makes the players come down around 10, and uh, it's a marriage that hopefully will be very happy. Of course, Baseball America reported as well over the weekend that MLB has informed their teams that they have to set up a taxi squad with potential reserve players. For the season, somewhere within 100 miles from where their home stadium is. So you can do the math on that, whether you're in Queens or the Bronx or even here in South Florida. Uh, they're going to have to play somewhere, and I can't imagine in October it being nice to in the Northeast to be able to have a taxi squad set up and have these active practice games, but uh, that's sort of where we're at with Major League Baseball. And hopefully next week we'll come back here and we'll have full clarity on the season, because at this point, July 10th is the earliest that they could start a season in 2020. And now that the MLB draft is over, I think we can all focus on the regular season of baseball, which we all hope is coming soon. Also interesting news from the weekend as well. Like the state of California, the state of Florida is following suit. Athletes from my home state are going to be able to get paid a little bit of money for their likeness, which of course is a great thing. And I don't know why anybody would oppose anything like this. I mean, you think about it. The amount of money that these kids can make if they were given free reign to do whatever they want, it's absolutely ridiculous. And now I think you have to ask yourself this question. What about the last 20 or 30 years where these kids wanted to you know, do memorabilia signings or you know, do something for a lawnmower service and they couldn't? I mean, Are we gonna go back and take care of them when they could have made some money and they were only really good college athletes? Because guess what? There were a lot of really good college athletes that never ended up playing in the NFL, never even ended up playing in the CFL getting paid. But now, of course, they're the ones who sort of take it on the chin. And, um, you know, it's just really unfortunate that uh, we have to go back to the movie Blue Chips and sort of realize that that's the reason why uh, all this is happening. So uh, I'm hopeful, Uh, University of Miami, University of Florida, South Florida, Central Florida, FIU, these kids uh, make big names here in Florida. By the way, uh, for here in Florida, yes, we love our NFL football. But trust me when I tell you, college football rules here even uh, in the South. And, and I know that Miami, Fort Lauderdale isn't really the South, but kind of is based on the way that people act here in Florida. All right, without further ado, our, uh, our good friend Adam Ronis was on the show earlier this week. We actually had Adam on for a couple segments. So if you want to see the entire interview, you're going to have to go over to our YouTube channel over on SportsGrid. And go back to Monday's show where we talked about a couple of different topics. Uh, the first topic we discussed were the final eight teams essentially battling it out at each conference to see who would get uh, th- that eight seed, seventh seed. So we talked about that. And then we went into who potentially would win the championship. And Adam had a little bit of a surprise on that one as well. So let's check in with Adam Ronas and get his odds on the NBA championship for the 2020 restart of the season. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today and joining us now here on the show to break down a little NBA, find out what his thoughts are on the NBA coming back. Training camps are going to open up in about a month from now. And then, of course, we're going to have the end of the regular season on July 31st to break it all down. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Ronis, And, of course, head on over to Fantasy Alarm to catch all of his analysis as it pertains to the fantasy end of the NBA and also, of course, Dabbles in with quite a bit of wagering as well. Adam Bronis joins us here on the show. I know, Adam, normally we talk uh, baseball. You and I have been doing baseball shows for 10 years.
1: Hopefully, we'll be able to talk baseball soon. But for now, the NBA is the focus. Yeah, definitely glad that it's back. We knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of what the exact plan would be. And I've always said this about all the sports trying to come back. There's no perfect plan. People are going to be upset. They're not gonna like certain aspects of it. I think for the most part, the reaction that I've seen, most people are fine with this. It gives an opportunity to some of those teams in the Western Conference that were within striking distance, you know, three and a half games back for Portland, Sacramento, and the Pelicans. And obviously the Pelicans are a team that a lot of excitement. You know, the Zion Williamson missed the first couple months of the season. He came back, they were a different team. So I think the NBA. Felt like that team is compelling. And, of course, you heard comments from Damian Lillard a couple weeks back, which I agreed with, where he said, hey, if we have no shot, I'm not going to play. And it's the same thing as if a team gets mathematically eliminated and they rest their stars. And I know Lillard probably got criticized for it, but, you know, I didn't blame him. I'm sure they're happy about this now. It gives them an opportunity. So I'm just glad that it will be back. Let's hope that we have no setbacks. Everything goes smoothly and we can crown a champion.
0: All right. So let's break down first the back end and then we'll uh, we'll talk about the front end of the NBA playoffs. Uh, You mentioned the Pelicans. Uh, They provide must-see TV probably for the time being. Um, You know, and obviously at this point, uh, they are three and a half games back of the playoffs. The only reason why is because Zion wasn't with them for the whole season, uh, averaging 23 and a half points a game, shooting almost 60 percent from the field. And uh, let's talk about him for a minute and, and sort of what he has brought since he's been back with
1: the Pelicans and then move on over to Brandon Ingram, who in his absence was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, Williamson has been great. You know, I think some people weren't sure what to expect coming off the long layoff. They obviously made sure he was completely healthy before he came back his first few games. He was on a minute's limit and still from a fantasy perspective and actual NBA perspective was producing. He obviously takes a lot of shots close in and, you know, he's. Provided a spark for that team. You know, they were playing pretty well, uh, but obviously he gave them a different dimension. You know, they're a team that's very explosive offensively. They could put up a ton of points. Not great defensively, though, but Williamson is a draw. They had a lot of nationally televised games. And actually, before the stoppage of play, I think the Pelicans actually were the favorite to win the eighth seed only because Memphis had a really tough schedule. The Pelicans had an easier schedule. Obviously that's going to change. We don't know the specifics of the schedule yet. It seems like they're going to pick up where they left off. And obviously if you have teams that were left out like golden state, Charlotte, you know, you just skip to the next game. So that probably hurts the Pelicans a little bit. Cause I think they had a pretty favorable schedule, but they're a really fun team. Brandon Ingram. You talked about that guy has really improved this year. I think there were a lot of questions about him coming over from the Lakers. Uh, His three-point shooting percentage, way better. The guy averages more than two threes per game this year. He was under one the last few years. His free throw shooting has improved in a big way. He became a go-to scorer for that team. He's taken a little bit of a hit with Williamson back, uh, but still has put up really good numbers. And he's in the running for most improved player of the year. I would personally give it to Bam Adebayo. But if someone wants to argue for Brandon Ingram, it's hard to go against that because he's been— great this year. And I think the Pelicans are the sexy team. That's who people want to see get in the playoffs. Makes a lot of sense. And uh, Memphis, if they do pick
0: up exactly where they left off with those eight games, as you mentioned, they have the toughest schedule remaining in the NBA. So that potentially could open up for New Orleans. Let's also talk about Portland. I'm not sure why uh, they were the one team that didn't want this format. I don't really understand the whole reasoning behind it, Adam. Maybe Uh, They didn't like the remaining schedule for their games. I'm not really sure. That never came out. But uh, Damian Lillard, as you mentioned, he's going to get a chance to play. They're three and a half games back, Uh, you know, simply put, just like uh, the Pelicans. So, you know, the season that he's having is fantastic in the West. Do you give Portland a fighter's chance, too? It seems to me that Memphis is no
1: sure thing with eight games to get in. Well, Portland uh, reportedly didn't want it because they wanted 20 teams instead of 22, because obviously less of uh, teams remaining for them to get past. So that's why, and they expressed that to ownership, and C.J. McCollum came out and said, we appreciate ownership listening to the players. I think Portland is a dangerous team. Everyone's talking about the Pelicans. To me, if I'm the Lakers, I do not want to see the Blazers in the playoffs. They have Damian Lillard, one of the best players in the NBA. To me, when the NBA playoffs, I want to see the best players. I know Zion Williamson is good, but Damian Lillard is clutch. He has a 61-point game this year, a 60-point game. This team made the Western Conference Finals last year. They've had injuries this year. Yusuf Nurkic is yet to play. He was going to come back right around when play stopped. So he'll be good to go. They'll get Zach Collins back. So they get two big men that they had. Now, Hassan Whiteside has had a great year. Uh, so Nurkic might not play as many minutes. But the backcourt of Lillard and McCollum is dynamic. And to me, that's the team I want to see. Everyone's saying the Pelicans. I get it. They're fun. They're young. But the Blazers, to me, are the team that can make uh, some noise. Now, clearly... They have to, you know, well, here's the thing, though, it's winning percentage. And remember, not every team has right. played the same amount of games. And right now, the Blazers, I believe, are 439 uh, for winning percentage, and the Pelicans and Kings are 438. So the Blazers have a little bit of an advantage here because they need those two teams to do better than them. If they all finish with the same record, if they all go four and four or whatever. Portland, if they're within four, gets that playing game. Now they would have to beat Memphis, assuming they hold on to the eight seed twice. But to me, Damian Lillard in a clutch spot, we have seen it time and time again. That is the team that I think is dangerous. And if I'm the Lakers, I do not want to see Portland get the eight seed. I'd rather face the Pelicans. They're a younger team. They're more inexperienced. And the Lakers have beaten the Pelicans twice in the last like five, six games. Not that it matters because this long, this long layoff, we can sit here and say what we, we have no idea what's going to yeah, happen because there's no home court. There's so many things here that we don't know.
0: All right, thanks again to Adam Ronas from Fantasy Alarm for coming on Fantasy Sports today. Coming up next, it's this day in fantasy sports history and our fantasy sports birthdays for the weekend of June the 13th and June the 14th. You're watching FST right here on Sports Grid. It's the weekend edition. I'm Craig Nish. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Hope you're having a good weekend. Craig Mish flying solo on this weekend edition of the show. You'll want to stay tuned because in about 15 minutes from now, John Sheeran, the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook, is going to join us. So you guys can get an edge on all of the things happening at FanDuel, whether it's content, whether it's betting odds. He breaks down everything that is happening over there uh, and talks about some of the different potential states that sports legalization, especially online, you'll be able to wager on. So wherever you're watching in the country, if it is not legal right now to wager, trust me, FanDuel is the space. It is the place to be. Uh, Hopefully, you guys will have an opportunity pretty soon. Stay tuned to that. Also, later in the show, uh, Gray Albright from RasBall.com joins us every week, and he will join us on Friday. We'll have the latest going on in this back and forth with Major League Baseball. But for now, let's dive in. It is June the 13th, 2020. And for us, It's time to take a look at this day in fantasy sports history. And so here we go. June 13th in the past. We're going to start off in 1989. Not that far back today to start the show. The Detroit Pistons end up sweeping the Los Angeles Lakers 4-0 to win an NBA title. And uh, look, it is cyclical. And this is what happens in all sports. And to me, anytime you win back-to-back titles like Detroit did... I think that they're kind of a dynasty. I know that this day and age, we don't maybe look at it like that. It is so difficult in sports to win over and over again, especially like Detroit did. Let's also keep something in mind, and it takes nothing away from the Pistons, also keep in mind, too, that the Lakers were pretty beat up in that final series. If you remember, there's a lot of—I mean, you can go back and YouTube it and all that and see Magic Johnson limping around, being upset. I mean, I don't think he was able to even play— in some of those games. It was really easy for Detroit, but look, they came back the following year and uh, you'll hear about this coming up in, uh, on the 14, but they came back the following year and won the championship again. So Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Bill Lambeer, James Edwards, John Sally, Dennis Rodman, um, you know, the bad boys in Detroit. Well, maybe there should be a documentary on those guys too. I thought that that was a great team. Um, you know, it was the basketball. I mean, my co-host Joe Pisa thinks that was exciting basketball. I don't agree with that, but it was definitely uh, cool to have those big names playing on those teams. Uh, Vinnie Johnson, too. I don't want to forget about Vinnie Johnson. Throw him in there as well. All right, uh, 1991, the National. Now, this is going back for some of you here. We have The Athletic now, right? Like, The Athletic is the online publication that everybody reads, and you know they, they cover all different sports. I know they've had some troubles lately, but regardless of that, that's like a popular, separate entity. Well, when I was growing up, the newspaper that i read was called the national and it was and a lot of the main baseball writers that you hear about today were all writing for the national at that time and when it would come out during the week and i don't remember, it was it was like i had to go to the little convenience store to pick it up because it was always so interesting and i know that they spent a lot of time on baseball and it wasn't around for a long time it may only been a handful of years but that's where some of the great baseball writing began it actually motivated me i thought at one point that I would be a baseball writer of some kind, and then I realized that I'm not really a great writer, and so I'm better at doing this with you guys here on the show. Uh, 1995, Dennis Martinez, El Presidente, throws a no-hitter against the Orioles. I would say probably late 80s, 90s, one of the more underrated pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. We all remember his days with the Montreal Expos, but uh, Dennis Martinez had a very long and solid career and we don't talk about him all that much. I know he was a coach with the Cardinals for a few years too, but a really, really good pitcher, and did it for a very long period of time, and throwing, uh, you know, a no hitter in between all the success that he had. Uh, we go over to 2012. Here's probably a name that you haven't thought about in a few years. Matt Kane threw a perfect game versus the Houston Astros. Matt Kane's name is going on the Hall of Fame ballot this year for the first time. I don't think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. His win-loss record is not great. And I know that that's somewhat a factor, although it probably shouldn't be, because when he was with the Giants, they played a lot of really low-scoring games. It wasn't their offense. It was always their pitching. It was Bumgarner and Kane and Tim Lincecum that were you know, sort of the trio of those guys. But there was a period of time that, that even though Kane was a quiet guy, he was as dominant as the other two pitchers. And so uh, don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe he'll get his 5% and he'll be able to stay on the ballot for another year. But that's not something that we'll have to worry about until January of next year. But Matt Cain on this day threw a perfect game against the Houston Astros. And now let's fast forward seven years to 2019. This was last year. The Toronto Raptors win the NBA title over the Golden State Warriors. I'm going to tell you, it's fresh in our minds right now. And it's the last semblance of an NBA championship that we know about. This is one of those championships that I think 10, 20, 30 years from now that is going to get lost. I just have a feeling there that this is one of those where the, the Raptors were essentially a very good team for a long period of time. They kept getting upset in the playoffs. They were the number one, number two seed a couple times. They get Kawhi Leonard. I still don't think people thought that they could beat the Golden State Warriors and win the NBA championship, but it just goes to show you how good Kawhi Leonard is and arguably one of the quietest until last year, most underrated players maybe in the history of the NBA, honestly. And all that time that he sat out with the with the Spurs and didn't want to play, he was proven right. I mean, he's probably the best player, a second best player, third best player in the NBA, one of the top 3, and basically brought up the Raptors to something that they've never seen. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Toronto, and I'm sure all their fans and Raptors fans will always remember that they have that one championship. But it always will feel a little bit bizarre that they sort of got a guy, he came in, won the championship, spent a year there, and that was gone, and that was it. And so in our our NBA world, we'll probably look back and maybe LeBron wins with LA now for the next couple of years, and we'll remember the Warriors winning all those championships. There was a year that they didn't win? Oh yeah, that's right, it was the the Raptors that won the championship. We just kind of have a feeling that we're headed down that road. Doesn't take anything away from them, by the way. They deserve to win that championship. All right, this day in fantasy sports birthdays, for June the 13th, not the star-studded list that we normally give you here, but we can't make up birthdays here on the show. We're not going to do that. 1985, we have Pedro Strope, big league reliever for many years with the Chicago Cubs, a uh, really, really, I think, solid setup guy, 7th, 8th inning guy. Uh, Jonathan Leucroy in 1986, the uh, catcher who I think it's th- at this point is still sort of looking for a gig. Uh, 1989, Hassan Whiteside, who's put together a really good year. And our final birthday is 1990. We have Vance McDonald of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a bad fantasy investment for a lot of people like me in 2019. But happy birthday, Vance. hope you, uh, you enjoy it. All right, this day in fantasy sports history for June the 14th. We'll go back, and we got a couple of early ones here. 1963, Duke Snyder hits his 400th home run. I cannot believe that it took so long to get Duke Snyder into the Hall of Fame. Got to know Duke a little bit when he was uh, in his later years in Vero Beach at the Dodgers fantasy camp, always been a big fan of his. and. Really associates with Brooklyn, which is where I'm from. So I wanted to make sure I could get a Duke Snyder reference. And I know that's above a lot of people's heads, especially if you're watching online. You're probably like, "Who in the world's Duke Snyder. Give yourself a Google every once in a while. You'll uh, learn who some of these people are. Uh, You know who Reggie Jackson is? 1969, Reggie Jackson drives in. Are you kidding me? 10 runs versus the Boston Red Sox? I don't remember this at all. Maybe because I wasn't born yet. But simply put, 10 runs in one game, that's a really big number. So uh, good job by Reggie Jackson there doing that. Uh, 1990, uh, I mentioned this before the Detroit Pistons, it's back to back for the Pistons, you know what was so great about th- those championships for Detroit and Chicago was when they made, the. and I think they make them again now, but when they made those pictures of the entire team in the caricatures, I had a Chicago Bulls one, I don't know, I mean I probably threw it away a long, long time ago, but they were so cool like the the the, uh, the the picturesque faces, I thought that that was, uh, that was cool, send me one of those if you guys have one out there uh, and then finally, another NBA championship, the Houston Rockets win the title over the Orlando Magic, for zip Akim Olajuwon and company. Uh, that This was the game that Nick Anderson missed all those free throws for the Magic, where it looked like they were going to win. They didn't. Houston wins that game in overtime, and then they win the next three games, and Shaquille O'Neal leaves. Pretty much. This day in Fantasy Sports, birthdays for June the 14th. Happy birthday to the... A woman who has left us but arguably left us with a lot the greatest college uh women's coach of all time i think and pat uh summit no question about that when i look at pat summit i think that uh she was just the best that we ever had and uh and sadly passed away a few years ago 1961 sam perkins is known for getting taken ahead of michael jordan in the draft but sam perkins was a good player in the nba for a long time too i think that's unfortunate that he doesn't get his due uh, one of the greatest tennis players of all time. Her birthday is t- is uh, Sunday as well. Steffi Graf was born 1969. Who would have thought Steffi Graff and Andre Agassi would get married? Like, I just like you never you never think that these matches made in heaven would happen on a tennis court or a baseball field. I like guess, yeah. I mean, it's weird. Let's just put it that way. You 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 wouldn't see this sort of thing coming, especially since they had tennis careers for a long time up until the point that they uh, that they ended up getting married. So. Maybe a, a documentary for another day. 1993, we have Sammy Watkins, a uh, pretty solid wide receiver, I would say, for the Kansas City Chiefs. So happy birthday to Sammy! I think he's probably, you know, maybe he's got another good year or two in him. He's got Patrick Mahomes, got to be, you know, you know, pretty decent, I would think. Can't you, know, you can't be terrible having Patrick Mahomes? Just ask any of the other receivers on that team. And then finally, uh, 2000, yeah, we got a Nick on the show today. Hey, it only took us. I don't know how long to get a a birthday for a Nick, And it's like there are Knicks to give birthdays away to. It's just the problem is they're all from when the team was really good in the 80s, uh, in the 90s. But R.J. Barrett was born in the year 2000. Maybe R.J. Barrett is going to be the next great Nick. Could be, hopefully. Hopefully for the Knicks, that will be the case. That's our This Day in Fantasy Sports and This Day in Fantasy Sports birthdays for our weekend show, the 13th and 14th of June, but fret not, we are going nowhere right now, and neither should you, because coming up next, we're going to be joined by John Sheeran. He's the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook. Everything that's going on over at FanDuel, with all of the odds and all of the places that sports betting could potentially be legal, John has a big hand in that. So you may want to stay tuned for that if you're considering betting either now or in the future. And then after John, we'll bring in Gray Albright from RasBall.com. He'll join us to go over the latest in this saga that is the Major League Baseball season. you got to stay on the grid. We are Fantasy Sports Today, weekend edition of Sports Grid, and we're back in just two minutes with John Sheeran. Stay right there. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to fantasy sports today. You know, it's so interesting during this time where we've had so little to watch on television and so little to play in terms of fantasy that the wagering aspect of it has really taken the forefront, especially over at FanDuel and the director of the FanDuel sportsbook, John Sheeran joins us now and Going to kind of run through sort of what's been happening over the last few months uh, over at FanDuel and certainly the approach that they have had and potential approach they will have moving forward. John, thanks for coming on Fantasy Sports today and good morning. It's great to see you.
3: Good morning. Pleasure to be
0: here, Craig. All right. Well, uh, let's kind of get started here and... Take me back three months ago, John. I mean, we are all sort of, uh, you know, now starting to get back to normalcy here a little bit, but I can only imagine the uproar that you must have had in your job with all the regulations and everything that you're trying to accomplish, and then wham, you're just basically uh, stuck at home. And then did did anything get paused?
3: How did that sort of work for you? Uh, Not really, Craig. I mean, I I think, to be honest, the first challenge for us was getting mobilized and getting everybody working from home. Uh, We have a lot of... uh, support from our global brand, so we have, you know, a team of nearly 500 people across the globe. So we were able to kind of lean on those guys and do it, uh, you know, bit by bit to get everybody working from home. So that was the first challenge that, you know, in fairness to our IT team, they helped us to get there pretty easily. Uh, once we got there, then it was about trying to surface product because we'd lost all of our content effectively. You've gone from, you know, two weeks before that in the middle of the NBA, you know, really getting into the meat of the season and shaping the postseason. And two weeks later, we were gone down to pretty much nothing. So uh, the pandemic is what it is. It's much more serious than sport, as we all know. Uh, And effectively, what we tried to do, Craig, was, you know, find content that was ongoing that would just kind of keep people engaged, let them know that we're still there. There is still something to bet on. Uh, It was really aimed at a really recreational kind of basis and core. So things like table tennis, for example, where you can have a bed and be gone in 10 minutes. You weren't committing two hours of your day to watch a tennis match or four hours of your day to watch a baseball game. So I think we did a good job with that at getting everybody comfortable. We did a lot of streaming deals to be able to show people the content that they wouldn't necessarily have had visibility through uh, court terrestrial TV. Um, so we did a good job with that and, and effectively, you know, we worked hard to try and find a lot of Eastern European sports that were ongoing. So table tennis, we had a lot of Belarusian soccer, which I'm sure everyone was aware of. And then gradually, in the last few weeks, we've got back to Germany. Um, You know, the Spanish soccer season kicks back off today. We have uh, the Premier League coming back next week as well. So slowly, as you said, uh, we're getting some of the core sports back. And then hopefully we uh, have a platform for the NBA to get back on July 31. And hopefully some MLB and NHL as well to complement that.
0: Yeah, and and for us, it's it's content-driven too, John, as you can imagine. With us... Uh, it's a little bit harder to dive into table tennis and and some of these things that here in the States that we've never really experienced before. I mean, I think a lot of people have played ping pong, but not most people <laughs> have had bet on it. Um, I, I would be curious to ask you what those conversations were like internally as you guys were sort of developing an idea to put some of those options uh, online on the FanDuel book because I, I don't think that people get a good idea behind the scenes as to how that happens, do you guys sit around on a Zoom call and say, hey, let's do table tennis. Hey, let's do, uh, you know, KBO. Let's do something different. How does that happen?
3: Yeah, like, I mean, internally, we're always talking about new product, trying to find something that people will bet on. I think the phenomenon with table tennis is actually quite interesting because there's not many U.S. sports that are shaped uh, to kind of, you know, be started and over pretty quickly. Um, And I think that's kind of an appeal to people for a recreational basis. And, you know, I really do want to stress that it's really about recreation. This isn't, you know, a serious betting endeavor. Um, It was something to keep our customers engaged. So we do think about products uh, like that. And and to be fair, we also have, you know, I'm Irish, we have a lot of experience with our European brands of, of probably surfacing a lot kind of more marginal and lower tier sport at home uh, because we don't have the kind of stringent regulation that we do here in the US so it wasn't a new phenomenon for us for us by any stretch of the imagination going doing a little bit of research to find out what the situation was in each country in relation to the lockdown uh, scenario and how what sports could continue and how they were going about it and effectively we just had a roadmap from there of what we could surface and we did the best job that we could through that period as did all the other operators I think the regulators, I would like to call it out, you know, sometimes they're perceived to be the bad guys. A lot of them were really open to that, particularly through that period and understood, um, you know, that we had lost 99% of our handle. Um, obviously, you know, there's an impact on their taxes, but I think overall they were supportive of the idea of us keeping people engaged. And that was kind of the key message that, thro- that drove the situation the way it went.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, the one thing that we've been discussing in terms of content on our show recently are some futures with the NFL. And, uh, you know, John, the professional football, in terms of seeing futures and being able to wager on uh, individual player totals, the over-unders on all of those, and, you know, certainly there's always going to be odds to win a Super Bowl or odds to win a championship. Uh, Those those are always going to exist universally on every global site. Uh, But I don't ever recall seeing these individual player propositions uh, up so early prior to a season starting. Do you think that had all of this not happened, that we wouldn't have seen those? Or is this just a product of, simply put, keeping, as you said, uh, your your users engaged on the site?
3: Yeah, I think a bit of all of that. I think, Craig, to be fair, our NFL traders, um, a lot of them will specialize in all of the U.S. sports. And in a world where we lost all of that, They probably found themselves with more time than they would ever have expected through, particularly in a a point in the calendar where we expect to be in the middle of NBA and NHL uh, postseason. And that's before you get into all of the games that involve the regular season and the MLB. So those guys definitely had additional time and we tried to put them to task in terms of coming up with new markets, which I think we've done a good job with uh, getting a lot of betting options there for people. Because in a situation where all of us are sitting at home, for 24 hours a day there was downtime that we all had that i guess we were interested in understanding what the season ahead looks looks like particularly in the nfl so i think we definitely got them up earlier than we would normally do but i think it is a common trend that we're looking to get better at craig and giving people more choice earlier um, we've a lot of the regular season games up for a lot of our local teams and states that we're present in i really want to get to a position where we have every nfl game for the entire season priced in advance of the season happening so as people have that choice they're able to check out whatever game it is they want and have that base and we've always been about kind of surfacing choice to customers and that's what we continue to do
0: yeah and it really creates good content for us because we're able to you know sort of dive in and have opinions much earlier on than we would have had and if somebody feels like a price uh, specifically is is better now than it would be in two or three months from now they you know, they certainly have the option to do that. Uh, John, in terms of an expanded conversation uh, with FanDuel and and being able to wager on your site, uh, we're, we're looking at a great expansion here in the United States. Can you kind of, you know, catch us up where we're at uh, as, as far as uh, how many states right now are able to use the FanDuel Sportsbook and what you would project uh, I mean, maybe it's different than what you would have projected a couple of months ago with the way that everything has happened, but how many you would project over the next year or two?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that we're way ahead of schedule in terms of where we even thought we would be when PASPA was repealed in February of 2018. Uh, we're live now, I think, in nine states in total between retail and online. We have five states where we're up and running on uh, online. So. They're the kind of predominant ones, but we do have retail presence in four other. Michigan, where we do have a retail presence, is likely to be pushed back to the end of this year and maybe even Q1 of next year. Um, But I do think your point is right around the situation right now. Obviously, everyone's looking at tax uh, budget deficits um, and trying to see how they can kind of catch up some of that. Um, So I do think that, you know, the legislators in a lot of these new states will be pushing to kind of move this ahead of schedule. Uh, i don't know if it necessarily will have a meaningful impact this year but in the next two years i definitely see uh positive signs you know we've seen things in the last few uh, days and weeks in california for example which would obviously be huge uh, right. we've got a lot of hurdles to jump there but uh, i do think that the you know the undercurrent and the tone is actually quite positive towards it so um i do do i'm really hopeful it looks like it's going to spread faster than we thought, and. You know, one upside, I guess, the silver lining in this cloud right now in the situation that we're in with the pandemic is uh, those states are now definitely more motivated to move it along quicker, for sure.
0: Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. I I guess maybe this is more of a self-serving question, but as you knew, John, where I live, it's it's kind of the wackiest, you know, state basically where things are. You know, you vote yes for no and no for yes, and all kinds of things seem to happen uh, in our state here. I used to do a whole segment called uh, Florida Man, just talking about the dumb things <laughs> that we do here in my state. What I mean, is there a chance here where I live that, that eventually I'll be able to log on? I mean, I can log on now to the FanDuel Sportsbook, but will there be a chance I'll be able to bet on the FanDuel Sportsbook in the next year, two, three? I feel like we're going to be last because of all the nonsense that happens here.
3: Yeah, look, I mean, Florida is, as you say, a little bit wacky. Um, Obviously, the Seminole tribe have a strong grip hold on it. And, you know, corporations like Disney um, definitely represent some challenges, uh, despite their kind of, uh, you know, the fact that they own ESPN, they've got a really good brand recognition. I'd be surprised if long term they don't enter the market in some way, shape or form. And I'm pretty sure they'll change their stance when that happens. Um, Look, there's big challenges in Florida as there are in other states. I saw some positive things through. Uh, the end, the second half of last year and the first few months of this year in Florida, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, and I would expect you will be uh, later than a lot. but I do think it will be ahead of you know a ten year plan that we probably penciled in uh, when passport was repealed in terms of Florida. So it'll take time, but you know, I think as it rolls across the other states and the country, and people see, how you can do a good job with this i do think florida will become more motivated to move it as well so i'm hopeful but yeah i wouldn't be holding your breath for it put it that way
0: okay well uh, listen i'm a big fan of of, uh, of your sports book and certainly we use it for content on our show every single day and um you know and i'm hopeful that i can use it for more than just content eventually john and so that's kind of the situation that we're in um Thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I know that your time is very valuable. You have a lot going on over at FanDuel. And certainly for people who are watching this right now, if you're in one of those nine legal states and a couple more to come, you can go on to the FanDuel Sportsbook. And by the way, uh, great content there, too. I mean, I I log on there every day just to get an idea of to what the lines are, because it helps us from a fantasy perspective as well. It's really a great tool for content and also obviously a great tool for wagering as well. John, thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I hope we can talk uh, more often and kind of catch up on things where we're at from on a week-to-week basis. Thank you again.
3: No problem, Craig. Thank you.
0: All right, John and the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook, joining us here on Fantasy Sports Today. We're going to take a quick time out here on the show. we got plenty more to come. Uh, make sure you log on to our brand new radio site, Sports Grid Radio. We're broadcasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Head on over to YouTube, like and subscribe to that as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Sports Grid. We'll take a quick time out. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Joe Pisapia joins me back on the show as we dive into some of those NFL odds and recap last night's MLB draft. We're back after this. Back to fantasy sports today, as always. It's a Friday here on Fantasy Sports Today. We check in with our good buddy Gray Albright from Rasball and Rasball.com. We have this great running gag going on here on the show that it's some Friday, at some point, Gray and I will get right back into that fantasy baseball season that we would hope to have and discuss. But here we are; it's another week, and uh, we're in the same spot. But it is always great to catch up with Gray, talk about what's going on in his world, and as you can see, Gray. Is uh, is no longer in Los Angeles. He's moved uh, a little further south. It looks like here, if I'm not mistaken. What's going on, Greg? Uh,
4: southeast, maybe. I'm in Palm Springs. What's going on, Craig? It's good to talk to you. I uh, yeah, I got a, I got away for a, a couple weeks. I uh, I went out to uh, Palm Springs just to, you know relax a little bit um try and uh chill while i uh you know i i i'm doing a little less of nothing as opposed right. to really nothing so yeah, yeah. i
0: mean all sure. good, listen good, we all need to do whatever it is that makes us happy right now so uh you know people say they're doing the wackiest things i could care less if it keeps you sane and keeps you happy then that's uh, certainly great. Uh, before we get to the uh, baseball season, which I think that we both probably at this point know is coming and it's just a matter of, of games at this point. But uh, before we get to that, um, are, uh, what do you guys do over at Rasball for the for the draft for that first round? Um, you know, I mean, I mean, those are really the primary guys that I think we would focus on for fantasy. I mean, wh- where are you at with that? Do you get into it? Do you care? Do you pay attention?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, for the most part, honestly, I don't pay attention all that much because I uh, focus mostly on redraft leagues. Uh, I have, we have prospect guys, though, in, uh, you know, at our site who do follow it and do, you know, they write up, uh, you know, yesterday we had a couple mock drafts that we did where uh, some people were, uh, you know, basically it was, I think one guy, one of our prospect writers wrote up uh, Spencer Torkelson as the first pick, and that was, I think, the only one that he got right. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't think anybody got the second pick right. So no one, no.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think, and then once, it's like a house of cards, because then once you have, you know, the second pick goes sideways at that point, then it's like, well, then all my other picks are gonna be wrong, because... Right. The yeah. Orcas did something that I don't think anyone expected with, uh, Hester and Kiederstad? Is that it? Uh, that good
0: enough to be. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds actually, it sounds kind of a, a Rubian. Um, anyway, uh, or I guess Dutch. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they did the, uh, mock draft and, uh, yeah, I mean, they really liked uh, Max Meyer, who went third to the Marlins. They were uh, comparing him to an early Lincecum. I don't know. What what were your thoughts on him?
0: Yeah, I mean, I knew they liked him a lot, but I didn't think that he was going to be the pick until, obviously, three minutes before when I was told and then put it out there. But, you know, I, I thought they were going to take a different guy. But uh, I, I basically was told uh, uh, in the morning after the draft, like, like, we told you that that's who we were going to take for months. I'm like, not really. Like, not really. Like, I, I, I didn't I didn't get that feeling. I'm sorry that you did. I mean, I knew they liked him a lot, and people asked me, and they're like, who do you think they're going to take? I'm like, they're going to take Lacey. If they don't, they'll take this guy Meyer, but I don't think so. I think they're going to take Lacey. So, hey, look, um, the prospect guy shouldn't feel bad. We were all uh, beautifully wrong on this thing, for sure. other,
4: It was definitely always going to be a pitcher for the Marlins.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's interesting. Like, it just in, uh, you know, general terms, like, if you look back at old drafts, there's so many oh, misses yeah. that it's like, that's why I'm kind of like, like, I wait until guys get a couple, you know, a, a couple licks in the minor leagues before I really start, you know, you paying attention because. I mean, so many of these guys, like they say Torkelson is a can't-miss prospect, which I'm sure he's, I mean, he looks great, don't get me wrong, but there's been a lot of can't-miss prospects. Usually they don't go number one and fail, but, I mean, I I can think of at least a half dozen of guys, course. like, completely
0: can't-miss, and you're like,
4: whatever happened to that guy?
0: Yeah, I mean, know, listen, I mean, there were a lot uh, for a long period of time, And then you want to talk about recently, if we were doing this three years ago, we would have been said, wow, Philly's got Mickey Moniak. It's going to be great. And there he's going to be a star. (laughs) And listen, he still may very well be. But to this point, doesn't look like it. You know, I mean, that's you know, we don't even talk about this guy at all. But that's that's a fair point, too. So 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 I so I, I think at this point. We're we're gonna have a, a real baseball season, and I use the, I should probably use the air quotes in real because there there seems to be a lot of disappointment that the uh, the owners are, are essentially gonna force the players to play fifty games. I don't think it's gonna come down to that, as as we've talked about. I think that they're gonna meet somewhere halfway on the owner side. You know, like I, I don't think it's gonna be eighty, and I don't think it's gonna be seventy five, but yeah. I do think it'll be more than fifty, and so. Uh, at some point, we can get down and dirty with fantasy baseball. At that point, but I, I still have to say that they they let this go so long, and I understand why the owners did it because the longer it went, they you know basically cornered the players. I mean, that's that's what they did. But it mm-hmm. is a little it is a little bit of it's going to be fun, but it's going to be a little anticlimactic to only have sixty games during a season or sixty five. I gotta say that's it's disappointing.
4: Yeah, no, I think it's it's. I mean, I don't even know if it's really going to be considered a real baseball season with only like sixty five games. I mean, I can't imagine anyone taking any of the uh, stats or the like division titles or even the championship seriously. Like a couple teams are just going to be completely out of nowhere and have like a good month of August and be yeah. in the running. For like a division title you know like i was kidding around on rasball saying like you know the uh 23 and uh, 23 and 25 tigers are going to go up to uh, they're going to be the uh, division winners and you know i mean i was joking but it could like it could totally be some random team that just comes out of nowhere and does well because i mean baseball the uh you know, really, the uh, the the great part about baseball is it's such a it's a marathon versus a sprint. So it's really about how well teams do over the long haul versus you know how well they do over a three-week span. This year, it, that's all out the window. I mean, there could be you know, it's like, do you really consider Cody Bellinger a triple crown winner if he hits 17 homers? Gets 50 RBIs and hits 400. It's like no,
0: people, yeah.
4: like, it's like ludicrous. I mean, there's gonna be. I, I, I don't.
0: I, I don't think so. I think that there that this season is an entertainment season. I, I don't think that even baseball. I think. I, I, I think at the back of the baseball card is gonna have the numbers, but I, I beyond that, um, you know they'll they'll award the winners, and this would this guy led the league in hitting, and this guy had the best ERA, and this guy had the best strikeouts, and they'll give maybe an MVP and a Cy Young and all of those things, but. You know, I think that's a that's a slippery slope. There's no reason for it. I, I think everyone understands that. I would tell you though, that and it's not going to happen. It's done because it just took too long. But if they could have gotten like a hundred games in, I would have felt a lot better about this. You know, like I would have felt like, all right, you know, it's not that far off, right? And not that and not that unreasonable. But I mean, once once you get below eighty and you go far below 80, at that point, you have to look at it and just say, they're doing this and it's entertaining and we like it and then it'll be fun to see. But any kind of big financial stake in any fantasy league is probably a mistake. Or I mean, where if you feel like throwing darts, like go do it, because that's basically- exactly.
4: Yeah, no, I think it's like like a uh, sport that is popular down in uh, Florida. It'll become like a (laughs) highlight. situation <laughs> right. where, you know, like you're like, I don't know who's going to win. Like, it's all ridiculous. I mean, yeah, nobody know, does. I, I'm actually, I, you know, you might have better insight on this than me. I'm surprised that they're even saying like 65 games, because if they were to start, say at worst, they start mid-July and right. maybe I'm being optimistic by saying mid-July, but say mid-July and they go through end of September, why only sixty-five games? There's
0: it's like very true. Yeah. No. Well, why? Because the owners do not want to pay the full prorated salary of the players. It's not happening, Greg. So like, is that, there
4: that, gonna be that, a lot yeah. of days where it's like three or four games per day? Like
0: no, you, I, no, no, like, they'll, they'll well, well I mean days. listen, to it. you gotta have days off too, man. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna play every single day. Like every team oh. will still have one day off during the week. What am I missing? Am I missing something?
4: No, I know. exactly. No, I know. I think they will have days off, but I still think that I don't know. I haven't done the math, but I feel well, like 30
0: in August, 30 in September is, is 60. And then another 15 days <laughs> is 75. Right. And if it's they 60- each have 10 days off, that's, that's pretty yeah. much where they're at. Look, I'm with you. I yeah. want the most amount of games, but, the, but it is not going to happen. The owners are not going to uh, pay the players uh, a full time salary without the fans in the stands. I think if they knew fans were able to go, then this would be a moot point and we'd be doing 82 and it'd be over. But I think they're looking for any number to squeeze out less than 82. The players are trying to squeeze out anything more than 50, and then, uh, you know, I and, and it's going to be more than 50. But, again, at this point, because they've waited so long, it definitely becomes, you know, pretty difficult. So I, I guess we'll see. I guess, I guess, again, we'll come back here next week and... <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a we'll have a season, and we'll be we'll to talk about it. Well, we they were
4: say saying the uh, they were saying Manfred was saying that at uh, I I think this is what I heard that he was saying that at a certain point he's just going to say okay the season's starting this day and we're going back to work yeah and that's what yeah. it's going to yeah. be but I heard that and I was like they still have to agree to play during right. coronavirus. <laughs> right i mean yeah
0: oh no they oh he can say here's the schedule and this is what we're doing and all the players could say no and that's the end that's, that's <laughs> the way i mean that's very i mean in fact that's that probably is the scenario with a 48 game season that would play out
4: mhm yeah that's probably I mean, what would happen. Yeah. so ludicrous that they're even talking about a 48 uh a 48 game season i mean that is like that's not baseball i mean usually you get to like uh, mid august and you go to end of September at 48 games, like you're looking at basically no movement at all in the standings. Like that's basically when the die has has been cast by that point, it's like,
0: okay. Well, well, you know, as as analysts out there, like we play fantasy, and and listen, I'm a reality guy too, because I cover the game, but the reality guys all say the same thing. Throw out April. Throw out September here. They're telling you it's all about April. It's all about September. That's all we got. We got the first two months. Right. I mean, it's it's all what happens at the very beginning and the very end because they're all they're all lumped together. Look, we'll take it. It's better than nothing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's that's sort of you know where we're at. Hopefully, hopefully next Friday we're back here because that's, because I think that the news is it's got to be. I thought it would be over by the draft, and I was wrong there. But uh, hopefully by next Friday, Great, Listen, stay safe. Enjoy uh, Palm Springs. Thanks always, as always, for coming on the show. We'll catch up with you again next Friday. Enjoy your weekend, okay? Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Thanks to everybody who came on the show today. Jimmy Spence, Matt Sells, Gray Albright, of course, uh, my co-host Joe Pia. That'll do it for this edition of the show. We're back on Saturday and Sunday for Fantasy Sports Today, the weekend edition. So stay tuned to that. Thanks to... Brett, Ryan, and Danny for producing our show today and for producing all week long. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Have a great Father's Day as well. And we will talk to you again on Monday right here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports Today. See ya.